That's right, volunteer of the month. And so this person has been part of the church for many, many years. And, and he, he comes in super early and he actually prays with everyone in our different ministry departments ahead of time. You may not know this if you don't serve in one of our departments on Sundays, but every one of our departments on Sundays spends time in prayer every single week praying for the service. So our worship team gets here at eight o'clock in the morning and this man comes at eight o'clock in the morning to come meet our worship team for prayer. And they meet with our greeting team and they all pray together and our kids team. And, and this man of prayer is somebody who's been kind of quietly behind the sidelines, but I'm telling you, without prayer, things don't work. And so we believe in prayer. And so I want to honor this man. Mr. Tom Ralston is our volunteer of the month. Now Tom gets the prestigious front row parking spot. I know that everybody looks at that and goes, man, that's the place to park. So it's, it's a good front row parking spot. Well, good morning. My name is Matt Williams. If you are new here, um, my, my wife and I, we are the pastors here at, at City Church. And uh, anyhow, I just, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. In fact, if you're new and you haven't met me yet, I'll be hanging out in the lobby and I'd love to shake your hand and, and meet you this morning. And, uh, and so anyhow, I'd also like to welcome everybody who's watching online. Um, we have a fancy new camera for everyone who hasn't caught up yet. We have this, this weird-looking little thing in front of me, and, and the people on the Internet are going like, is it weird-looking? It's weird-looking, but believe me. And so we have this fancy, so anyhow, say hi to everybody who's watching online. You're going to watch a message or two maybe before you come out and check us out. And so I would welcome you at any time as well. As well. You guys, we're in a sermon series called Quit Church. Quit church. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor, why would you tell us to quit church? That seems like it would be, you know, against your job security to tell us to, to quit church, right? Like, that seems like a bad idea. But listen, I'm telling you that not to quit church, but I'm actually asking you to quit your approach to church. Because what we've been doing in the United States as a church isn't working. It isn't working. Because when I read my Bible and, and I look at the, what the church looked like in the Bible and what the church looks like in our country look a little bit different. There's areas of the world where it looks similar, but right now our country, I believe, has drifted a little bit. And, and so sometimes drift can creep into our life just so subtly and pretty soon it just slowly, a little bit further, a little bit further. Now, of course, we're not like every church in the United States, are we? No, no, no. We're way better. And so we stay right on focus. But just in case there was a little bit of drift that might happen here at City Church, I thought I would teach this series and, and that we would maybe keep an eye out so that one day if we were to start to drift, we'd be able to catch it early before it became a problem. And so it's actually based off of a book written by a guy named Chris Songson. And uh, we bought a whole bunch of books and we put them out there in the, in the little vestibule thing as you're passing through. Um, take, if you have not gotten one, there's still a few left. Um, we've given away almost 200 books now. Um, there's a few left, so feel free to grab one on the way out. Um, they're free. I mean, they're not free, but you guys already paid for them. You know, we took the offering that you gave, and then we bought books with that. So you paid for the books. Grab one on the way out, please, um, if you have not gotten one um, already. And so this is a visionary series. I want you to know that as a church, we are headed in a great direction. Um, our church is headed in a, in a fantastic place. But I wanted to make sure that we don't slip into a drift accidentally as, as we were here. It reminds me of a story about a man who lived back east, and he always dreamed of, of um, owning a farm one day. He wanted, he wanted a ranch with cattle, and, and so he'd been dreaming about this all his life. And, and so finally he got a little older, and he decided he was going to retire, and he sold everything and went out and bought a ranch. 
And, and, and so him and his wife, they couldn't decide what to name it, and they kept wrestling over what to name it. So their friend from back east came out eventually and came to visit, and they said, what'd you name the ranch? He's like, well, we couldn't decide. So, so we just settled on the double R, Lazy L, triple horseshoe, bar seven, lucky diamond ranch. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't decide. And he's like, wow, that's, 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 that's impressive. That, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of words you got in, in, your, in your ranch. And, and he says, so where are all the cows? I thought you had a bunch of cows. And he says, I had a bunch of cows, but none of them survived the branding. <laughs> sometimes we can get so caught up in labels sometimes, and, and we want to add labels to our lives sometimes, you know? Like we want to add things to our life and say, well, I'm, I'm this guy, and I'm that guy, and I'm this guy, and I'm that guy. And, and we get so obsessed with labels and, and what we want to call ourselves and identify with, and, and sometimes the knowledge even will put into our head that we, that we forget the practical application of that um, can, needs to be like, applied in a common sense way. You can't brand your cow with you know, a 24-letter alphabet, right? I mean, I don't know. That's the moral of the story. I've never branded a cow, so just to be, you know, in all fairness, I've never done it. I, I looked at it on YouTube, and I thought, who would do that to an animal? But it happens, right? It happens. You know, what's funny is uh, I was looking at, uh, at the Yellowstone Park, and uh, do you guys know there's over 200 geysers inside of Yellowstone Park? But there's one that's super famous, right? What do they call that one? What's the one that's super famous? Old, everybody knows it. Old Faithful, right? Old Faithful. There's 200. What are the other 199? I don't, I don't really know. You know, Old Faithful is not the biggest geyser in, in Yellowstone. I don't know if you know that. It, it isn't. It's, it's not the hottest. It's not the coldest. It's not the prettiest. It's not the, it's not the anythingest inside of, old, inside of Yellowstone Park except for one feature. Every 65 minutes, it blows up and shoots hot water and steam on the dot, Old Faithful, over and over and over and over again. And so it, Old Faithful, it's been going on for so many years. It's quite spectacular. And so since becoming a national park, Old Faithful has erupted more than one million times. It just never stops. It's just reliable. Listen, wouldn't it be great if the label that was branded onto us was, was not the prettiest? Oh, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'll take it, you know, you know. Not, not like the best looking. I mean, sure, I got it. Okay, you know, not, oh, that, that's, uh, that's rich. He, he's, he's the richest or he's the nicest or she's the whatever. Wouldn't it be great? If I could just pick one brand for our church and for you and me, I would say Old Faithful. Just being faithful and consistent and steady. Faithfulness is something that gets celebrated in the Bible all the time. All the time it gets celebrated in the Bible. You know, there's all kinds of faithful things in our life. And sometimes we take those things for granted. I don't know if you know, but every single day, the sun rises in the morning every single day, and then it sets in the evening. You know, the tide of the ocean constantly comes in and goes out and comes in and goes out. The government is faithful every April to collect its share of taxes from you. Good old faithful. You know what else is faithful is if you wash your car, it will rain. And if you are running late, you will catch every red light on the way down, and that guy, you know who that guy is, is going to be in front of you, and you're going to be like, come on, man. You know it. You know it. Listen, this idea of faithfulness is important. All through Scripture, it talks about being faithful and being counted faithful, and, and something being consistent and faithful. It's something that our human nature doesn't really want to do, right? It's something that, that we want to be faithful while it's convenient, but, but after it's inconvenient, then, then maybe we, we just want to be able to bounce out real quick and go do something else. 
But you know what? We have got to do something about the way we've been doing church. And I think faithfulness sometimes can take a backseat even inside of church. And so we want to make sure that we don't drift in this way. You know, as a church, we have to reach the next generation. I don't know if you know that, because otherwise it'll die with you. Whatever age you are, the church will die with you if you don't reach into the next generation. Sometimes we have to set aside our preferences in order to reach our purpose. And so we have to be a church of all ages who reaches the next generation. How many of you guys are with me on that? A church of all ages that we're going to reach the next generation. Did you know that the average Christian goes to church 19 of 52 weeks a year? That's the average, the average Christian. It's a growing trend that people, they just kind of stop by when it's convenient. So in this series called Quit Church, my title today is just Quit Stopping By. Squit. Quit stopping by. But you know, in, re- in reality, church attendance is just one mark of our declining dependability. See, the world needs a church that they can depend on. One that will show up when times are tough. One that will do what they say they're going to do. One that will be reliable in uncertain times. The, church, the world needs a church that's like this. And since the church is made up of people, what we need is reliable Christ followers. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about how the church isn't a building, it's not an address. The church is this, the church is me, and the church is you. We as people are the church. So the church, you don't go to church, we are the church. And when the service ends, we don't leave church, the church has left the building. Because we go out into the world and be able to make a positive difference everywhere that we go. So here's the thing about dependability. You don't notice dependability until it's gone. You don't notice it until it's gone. Everybody jumps into their car in the morning, puts the key in the ignition, or if you've got one of those fancy ones, you push the button now. But you jump in your car and you hit the button or turn the key, and, and, and the car starts. You don't think about it until the day that it doesn't start. And then you're like, oh, man, what's going on? And, and you don't think about the 10,000 other times that your car started just fine, right? You think about the one time that it's not starting now, this hunk of junk, I can't believe, rah, 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 rah. You know, and, and I, I just paid it off and now it's broken. You know, and it's just, you, you, you get into the, the mindset, you focus on the one thing is, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's, there's a dependability thing that you've seen all, you don't notice dependability until it stops becoming unreliable. So what happens when you become unreliable or I become unreliable? You see, the community needs you and I to be available and reliable. They need Christians who are reliable in their life, who can be the church everywhere that they go. Like, that's what the world needs, is, is that in our life. They don't need Christians that, that say, Sunday morning is the event that I show up to for an hour and a half. We sing a couple of songs. Somebody prays for me. Now, the pastor preaches an amazing sermon, and I feel incredible when I leave, right? Like that's, that's not, like, that's not what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be you and me actively going after the community and loving people, living like Jesus and sharing his love everywhere that we go. That's what the church is supposed to be. And so if we lose our dependability and our reliability in the community, what happens? When we lose credibility, we tarnish the reputation of our church or of you, or even worse, maybe Jesus. We lose our chance to provide hope for people. And I know this. I know that we're fighting an uphill cultural battle, right? The culture is is not, they say, you know, Christians, we're countercultural. The culture wants to go one way, but living like Jesus is not easy. Being a Christian is not 
easy. It's easy to read the Bible and, and say, all right, I believe in Jesus. But, but when you start to follow Jesus, like he called his disciples to follow him, it's not easy. Sometimes we have to lose some stuff in order to be able to quit some things, to be able to achieve what Jesus is asking us to achieve. Think about it, right? If you want better health, you've got to quit eating junk food. If you want better finances, you've got to quit some bad spending habits. I say this every week, but it's still funny. If you want a better marriage, you've got to quit being a jerk, right? Like it's, if, you want, if you want something that's better, you've got to quit something else. That's how it always works. So you've got to quit the things that are slowing us down. And, and, and if you want a better church, then, then, then you and I, we, we've got to quit stopping by and we've got to start becoming dependable and faithful everywhere that we go. Everywhere that we go. Sometimes, well, we have to give up one thing to get something better. So then rather than do the easy thing, do the right thing and choose faithfulness. You know what? It's good news because you and I, we can be faithful in today's world. We can be faithful in today's world. In fact, in Galatians 5, it says this, that the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a believer and you're following Jesus, and then what the Bible says is that the Spirit of God then lives inside of you. So the, the fruit of that, the output of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, God living inside of you, the fruit, the export of that is this, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So because faithfulness is listed as one of the gifts of the Spirit, what that means is that it's a natural byproduct of allowing the Spirit of God to work deeply and gently inside of us. Which means this, is that, is that as we follow God, He will start to produce those fruits inside of our life. So you don't have to make this up on your own. You can follow Jesus and allow Jesus and seek Him, and He will start to shape that aspect inside of you as you continue to follow Him. So my encouragement to you is this, is plant yourself in Christ Make a decision to, I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. Water your soul with his word. Allow God to work in you. And the result, the fruit of that, will become faithfulness that starts to come out in your life in every different area. There's a parable in Matthew chapter 25 that we're going to look at. Parable Matthew chapter 25. And it says this, um, again, it will be, well, before I get into the parable, I'm going to set it up here. So Jesus is telling a story about the parable of the talents. If you have been a Bible reader at all, this is like a super famous uh, story in the Bible about Jesus, about a, a, a Jesus telling a story about a, a ruler who gave bags of gold, essentially, to his servant. So let's, let's check it out. Matthew chapter 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Entrusted his wealth to them. A parable of a story with a lesson. And in this parable, the man is on the journey and he's, he's going to leave bags of gold with, with his people or bags of, of money or, or, or talents is what they would call it then for his, for his servants to be able to do something with. To go do something with. He entrusted, he committed to another with confidence. So in other words, this guy is depending on his servants. Listen, God values dependability. What we get today sometimes is sporadic dependability. I know it sounds like an oxymoron to have sporadic dependability, but, but here's what we need as a church is that we need predetermined dependability. We need predetermined dependability. Determined to be dependable before the circumstances change. You've got to determine to be dependable before circumstances change. And it starts with this. It actually starts with setting your values. 
You got to set your values internally. And so I would encourage you to do this if you have not done this, is, is sit down and write out what are the values in your life. Because I think as, as people, we should be values-driven, not circumstance-driven in how we run our life, right? And so you need to do this. And if you're married, you should do it with your spouse and sit down. And if you have to write it down on a piece of paper so that, that you can keep it fresh in your mind, you're, you, you, should, you should do that. And so values is this. is Number one, I believe that your value, is, number one, should be your relationship with God. That should be number two. If you're married, your, your spouse should be number two. Um, if, if, if you have kids, your kids should be number three. And, and somewhere in there, your, your, your church and your job and, and, and other things that you have, like if you like to play soccer and sports and you have hobbies, those things start to fall in there. But what happens when you outline your values? You predetermine your dependability. And so what this looks like is, is now when value number seven is messing up value number three, on paper, value number three is higher than seven, but in practical application, your value seven is replacing number three. Does that kind of make sense? And so when you predetermine your dependability, you lay out your values and you know this is the order that my faithfulness and dependability is going to fall on. And so when my kids have something that, that, that overrides my band, my rock band, I'm not a rock band right now, but if, if, if I was, I have been in the past. I'm a little rock and roll. And so they... <laughs> But, you know, like they have this, but when things start to get out of alignment, you're able to say, no, 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 I predetermined my dependability, and this is the order in which my dependability will be. And so we should all do that. We should write down our values and get, get your marriage on the same page, too, with that, and get your values written out. That wasn't even in my list, so, or my notes. We're, I just jumped all over the place. Okay, verse number 15. I'm going to preach a whole other sermon if I'm not careful. Verse 15. So, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one Another guy, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. It shows us something here, that life isn't fair. God doesn't give everybody five bags. What, maybe you're a five-bag person, or maybe you're a two-bag or a three-bag. You know, like, like you got to understand that life isn't fair, and, and the giftings and talents and things that you have aren't the same as other people. You might be a five bag in one area and a one bag in another area in your life, and somebody else is a five bag in that one area. This is what happens all the time, man. We, we, we look at our one bag areas of life, our low talent areas, and compare those to people who that's their high talent area, and we start to like mess with our self-confidence, and we start to compare ourselves with other people, and, it's, and it gets to be a, a, a big mess. So life isn't fair, and God gives out gifts and, and talents in the way that he does it. You know what human nature is? It's to complain that we didn't get what somebody else got. So you know what God is concerned with? What are you going to do with, with what you've been given? Because you've been given some things. What are you going to do with what God has given you? Dependability has nothing to do with how much you've been given. You can be dependable with little or you can be, be dependable with much. So here we go in verse 16, back to the scripture. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. He's an investor. I like that. Number 17. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So two men chose to put the money to work. They, tended, they went to use what God had given them. Whereas one chose to play it safe. One chose to play it safe. Verse number 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me 
You leaned on me, you depended on me, you entrusted me with these five bags, and see, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done. He's excited. He says, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse number 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold, and see, I've gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Notice how the master's response to the two bags or the five bags was actually the same. See, God isn't concerned. His, his, his economics are different than ours. He, he's not saying, well, gee, this guy ended up with 10 and you ended up with four, so he's saying, what are you doing with what I've given you? Our dependability is measured. And the statement here, faithful with a few things. Sometimes we can look at our few things and we can get discouraged. But guys, I want to encourage you today that, that if you're faithful with a few things, God starts to increase your capacity. I mean, he's not going to start you off with the massive capacity. He's going to start you off with a little bit and kind of raise you up and raise you up and raise you up. Just like with kids. You have kids at home or you've raised kids and, you know, at, at, at two years old, you have child locks on your cabinets. You don't trust them with anything, right? <laughs> Nothing at all. And some point along the way, you remove the child locks because they have been entrusted with little things and now they can be entrusted with a little bit more. And the same thing with, with your kids as they're growing up, right? Like, like now it's a whole new world. There's, there's iPads and video screens everywhere, right? So we call it screen time in our house. And so our kids are trusted with a little bit of screen time. Now, if, if they abuse that or if they, if they misuse their screen time, guess what? They're not going to be trusted with more screen time. In fact, if anything, they'll be trusted with a little bit less screen time. I don't throw my kid an iPad with no parental controls and say, good luck, kid. You know, the Internet's out there and, you know, hope you don't get exposed to anything too crazy. <laughs> you know, I can't do that. You have to put, you know what I mean? You trust it with a little, then you get raised up and trusted with more and more and more. God's the same way. He's given you some gifts and some talents. He's put some things inside of you. And he wants, to, he wants you to have more and more and more. But can he trust you with the little so that he can get you a little bit more and a little bit more? You see, God and man have very different scales. To God, it's little because it's being measured against all of the resources of the world. It's little, right? We're going to look and see what, a bag of, what these talents were actually the amount of money they, they were. There were large sums of money, but God says it's, it's little. It's interesting. I heard about a story about a man who was talking to a big, tall, strapping giant of a man, and he says, man, if I were as big and as tall and as strong as you, I would go into the woods and I would wrestle bears. I mean, you're just a huge guy. And the giant looked down at the little guy and says, you know, there's some little bears in the woods too. The question won't be with what did you start with, but what did you do with what God gave you? Were you dependable? Because you and I, you could look around the room. We have different starting lines in the race of life. We have different obstacles in the race of life. Some of us had to deal with some circumstances, some with others, and there's hurdles in the way. And as we're trying to follow Jesus, and what are you doing with what you've been, been given? Don't look at somebody else's race and somebody else's hurdle and think, I could have, why, why wasn't I given that one? you got to look and say, God, what have you given me so that I can get through this? Because I don't know what your hurdle is. 
But, but I want to tell you that God put that hurdle in you for a reason so that he can build something in you as you are overcoming it. I so often want God just to remove the hurdle, but what I find more often than anything is that he actually has the hurdle there and helps me get over it and get through that hurdle, get through that obstacle so that he can build something into my life. He's doing that for you too. An attitude of gratitude will fix a lot of stuff, you know. It really will. I don't know what pain you've been in in your life. I don't know what obstacle you've had because every one of us have had pain. Every one of us had obstacles. We've had things in our life that caused pain into our life. And sometimes we get so focused on the thing that caused us pain and we get maybe even angry or bitter at it. But I want to encourage you to thank the thing that brought you the pain. And, and here's what I mean is this, is every time you look at something that caused hurt into your life, there is a positive side of that that came out. God is doing something in your life through the obstacle that you've had to face in your life. And when you start to thank the thing that brought the pain into your life for the outcome that, that is now coming out of your life, when you start to thank God for the, for the person that did that thing to you, and I know right now it's almost unfathomable to think about it, but when you start to thank God, I thank you that that went through my life because now you give me more compassion for those people who are hurting. God, I thank you for putting this thing inside of me that I've been wrestling with internally for all these years because now I can say, God, now you have showed me a perspective on life and given me the ability to have compassion on others in a way that I would have never had before. And so God, I see that through my pain, you're working a miracle through my life and healing and in others' lives who need the same healing. Sometimes you got to look at your, the obstacles in your life and the things that you maybe didn't have and be able to thank God for, for, the, for it. And I'm telling you, when you start to become grateful for everything, give thanks in all things, scripture says, and when you start to give thanks for all things in your life, all, the good and the bad, an attitude of gratitude starts to set you free from the things in the past that have been gripping onto you for so, so long. For so long. Okay, here we go. Verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Uh-oh, the one bag guy. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Ouch. Harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and sent out and hid your gold in the ground. See here, this is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I was, had harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. As if that guy needed more, but whatever. So whoever has, has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even when they have, will be taken from them. And, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever seen someone who's just so blessed and they just continue to grow and be more blessed? Isn't that crazy? There's a principle at play that's here. It's when you're faithful with what God has given you with your talents and your treasures and your, and your, your time and your abilities and, and who God's wired. When you're faithful with what God has given you, you start to see an expansion in their life. There's a principle at play that's not often seen on the surface. See, God rewards dependability. God rewards faithfulness. So my challenge to you is be faithful where you are. Be faithful with what you have and see what God could do. So what areas of your life you can ask yourself this question, what area of my life do I need to be more dependable? What area of my life do I need to be more dependable? 
So reading through this scripture, there was about 18 things that popped out to me. And so I reduced it down to five for expediency's sake. And the first one is this, is that, is that if you have your notes, you can fill this in. If They'll be on the screen. What you, we have is not ours. What we have is not ours. These servants received something that was not theirs. The master gave the servant something to use to invest. Listen, I, I believe that God created each and every one of us. In fact, in the Bible, it says that, that he designed us and knew us before we were formed. And he did that so that and so he knows who we are. He's given us everything. And so if, if we come from the place of understanding that everything that I have in life is not mine, but it's actually God's and he gave it to me on loan, then you, then you have to start to... You have to start to recognize a few things. One of them is this, is I don't know about you, but I treat my friend's stuff better than I treat my stuff. Have you ever borrowed something from a friend and you're a little bit nervous? I mean, not a, not a lot, but just a little bit. Like you borrow a, an instrument or maybe a, a, a nice vase or a nice dish or something that, for a party that you're going to use. Guess what? That dish goes in the safest place in the house, isn't it? And you bring that back washed and clean that, you know, to, back to the person who loaned it to you, right? You treat it really well and you take really good care of it and you bring it. Listen, when it's not yours, you treat it better. When you're entrusted with from something else, you actually treat it better. And so when, if you understand that all of my resources, my time, talent, treasure, everything that I have in my life, when I look at that and say, this is God entrusting it to me to be able to use this, then, then you got to know that it's going to be, uh, you got to treat it better. It's called the stewardship principle. Your life is not your own. Your stuff is not your own. So we got to be able to treat it better, manage it better. Number two, we are given what we can handle. In verse 15, we are given what we can handle. In verse 15, we see that the master gave some talents to three of his servants. To one he gave five, and another two, and another one, according to his ability. According to his ability. God has given you what you can handle. Sometimes we can look at other people and think, I wish I had their life. But their life came with a set of circumstances and challenges that they had to overcome that maybe you're just not ready to handle yet. You just got to know that, that God's given you what you can handle so each talent, they, they did the math, and I, I, I went and looked at all the Bible scholars and searched everything I could find. And, and here's the rough estimation of what one, the one bag of gold or one talent would have been. It would have been around 300,000 U.S. dollars in today's economy. So if a friend of you said, here's $300,000, I'm going out of town for a while, keep watch over this, what would you do? Would you put it in the stock market? Or would you dig a hole in your backyard and bury it? Because it's so easy to judge the guy, right? You're like, you're like, seriously? Like, what did he give you, 25 cents? Like, why, did, why didn't you go invest it, right? We, it's easy to read the story from this side looking back and say, but when you put it in that perspective, the guy who was given $300,000, $300, like he locked it up in a box, dug a hole and buried it and didn't tell a soul where that thing was at because he was scared to death that he was going to lose it. Everybody else, they started flipping things and buying property and putting it, I don't know what they were doing, like house flippers are us, and, and they're, they're flipping houses and fixing uppers, and they're putting it in the stock market, and they're doing whatever they can. They bought some Bitcoin. They did it all, you know, trying to get it up. And the other guy was, you know, so then the guy with two talents is around 600000 The guy with five talents is probably about a million and a half dollars, and the guy with a million and a half had no problem turning it into even more. Kind of reminds me of something. Reminds me of a story about two men. One guy owned a plane, and, and he was flying the little private plane, and, and the guy was wet next to him, and they're, they're flying, and, and they end up crashing on this remote, deserted island, he and his friend, and, and the, the pilot is, he's not worried at all. 
Like, he sets up a hammock, and he, like, lays out and takes a nap, and, and the other guy's freaking out. He's like, nobody's going to find us. We're going to die. What are we going to do out here in this beach? And, and the guy says, don't worry, man. Don't worry, man. I got it covered. And he's like, what do you mean you got it covered? He's like, I make $100,000 a week. Don't worry, man. I got this thing covered. And he's like, you know, what? That money's worthless out here. What are you, what are you talking about? And the pilot's like, don't worry. I, got, I, I make $100,000 a week, son. I don't think... And the guy kept interrupting him and saying, saying, no, man, you don't get it. We're, like, you can't buy food if there's just no food. I don't care how much money you make. Your money's worthless out here. I make $100,000 a week, and I, no, no, you don't get it. And he let me finish. I make $100,000 a week, and I tie the solid 10% to my church. I know my pastor's going to come and find me. <laughs> Listen, I'm not preaching this morning about tithing and giving to the church. But if that's you, I will come find you if you go lost, I tell you that. I will track you down. I want you to notice that each servant received talents according to his ability. Your responsibility is tied up in your ability. Your responsibility is tied up in your ability. This is interesting. God's kingdom purposes do not operate according to what is fair, but according to what is best. I don't want you to get stuck in the comparison trap. It's so easy today, too, isn't it? We got the Facebook and the Instagram and the, we, we got the Twitter and Snapchat and the, what, is MySpace still around? No? Okay. Yeah, Friendster. And so we, we got all these things that, like, that we can easily pull up our phone and all day long look at how amazing everybody else's life is and start to compare ourselves to them all day, every day. Listen, the comparison trap is a trap. That thing will eat your soul. It will cause you to devalue yourself. It will cause you to devalue what God has put inside of you because you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else and thinking that you are a lesser person. Listen, God built you and designed you and wired you on purpose for a purpose. I'm telling you, you can look at other people if you're cheering them on, but if you find yourself to comparing yourself and beating yourself down over that, maybe it's time to take a little break from some social media. Maybe it's time to, to cut off the avenues in which you get stuck in that comparison trap. You get, given, you, get, you get given what you can handle. We get given what we can handle. Number three, we must invest what we are given. We must invest what we are given. God did not put a deposit in you so that you would bury it and leave it alone. God did not put a deposit in you so that you would bury it and leave it alone. There is more inside of you than I think you're aware of. God has put more inside of you than maybe you've even tapped into. I want to encourage you as you start to de develop, start to work on yourself. Start to develop the gifts that are inside of you. God puts these gifts and talents inside of you. You can see with the guys with the bags of gold, they had to do something in order to invest it, in order to grow, in order to get it to grow bigger. I want you to think about this for a minute. Can you invest in what God has already put inside of you? And the question would be like, okay, what podcasts are you listening to online that helps develop the gift that God has put inside of you so that you can grow that gift and be responsible for your ability and what you're doing? What books are you reading to help develop that? What people are you gathering around? Do you have a mentor in your life to help you develop the gift that God's put inside of you? I'm telling you, I think you need to invest in what your abilities are that God has given you because it, the principle is there. We must invest in what we are given. You know, your talent is just never quite 
enough. There's this book by John Maxwell that talks about your talent's never enough. And, and, and in this book, it talks about how the guys who have a lot of talent tend to rely on the talent. But the people who see themselves like, well, I've got a little bit. I don't have a lot. They start to develop that little bit. The guys who work hard and develop that little bit of talent they have always outrun and outpace and outbeat the guys with a lot of talent. There are extremely talented people who never made it to any professional sports league. But there's guys on basketball teams all across this country playing professional sports who had a significant amount of talent, but they took the time to invest in that talent and develop that talent, hire coaches and practice and work. I'm telling you, God has put something inside of each and every one of you, and are you willing to invest in it? Because when you invest in it, you show God that you're faithful and dependable, and he will give you more. Because I don't know about you, but if God's put some mercy inside of my heart and I start to develop that, I, I could handle a little more mercy. I could handle a little more grace. I could handle a little bit more compassion in my life. Come on, right? Like you could handle just a little bit more of the things that God has put into your life. Number four is this. A day of accountability is coming. We will all stand before God one day, and he's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? And the words that I long to hear and Honestly, I hope it's the words that you long to hear is this, is well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. If the band would come, I'm going to start closing right now. And the fifth and final point is this, is what we do with what we have reveals our view of God. What we do with what we have reveals our view of God. You know, the first guy is so excited to show off what he had done with what God had given him. He was, he was jazzed. The guy was pumped. He's like, yes, I get to come and show it off. He gets, check it out. Look what I did. Hey, boss, check this out. You gave me five. I turned it into 10. Woohoo! You know, and, and the boss is like, yeah, it's awesome. And they're high-fiving and everything's good. And, and then the next guy shows up and does the same thing. The man of two talents approached his time of reckoning with the same anticipation and excitement. And the master is thrilled with both of them because they demonstrated the responsibility for their ability. He says the exact same thing in both of them. Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. These two faithful servants received a few things. They received this, received affirmation. Like, like the master affirmed them. God, God said, you know, the master says, great job, well done. I appreciate your good work and your faithfulness. You know, that's something that I think all of us want to hear from God. Yeah, I think there's people in your life that want to hear it from you, too. The affirmation and the encouragement that's in your life. Like, like I, I think that there's, there's times where, even in this world, where, where you're the servant that's being entrusted by something by somebody else. But I think there's other areas in your life where, where you've invested in others, and now you are the master in their life, in a way. So if you find yourself in that role, where you have employees, or maybe you're a manager and have people underneath of you, I would encourage you to, to look at this and say, listen, the, the faithful servants received affirmation. They received promotion. Since you've done so well with what you've been given, I'm going to give you more responsibility and opportunity for growth. And the last one is this, is celebration. You've made me very happy. Let's celebrate together. The master is like, it is time to party. So the one talent guy, but he came in a little bit differently. See, he had a different view of the master. And in verse 24, it says, I knew that you were a hard man. The first words out of his mouth huh, were about himself. I knew that you were a hard man. The other two guys kept their focus on the master when he returned. Master, you entrusted me. But the one talent guy says, I knew 
third guy had a wrong view of the master, and he had his mind made up even before he received his talent. So he looked at him as someone who was hard and harsh instead of loving and gracious. You know, what we think about God is one of the most important things about us. What we think about God is one of the most important things about us. If we view God as a tyrant, then we'll filter everything through that lens. Some of you may be secretly angry with God because you think he did something or he didn't do something. And if you view God in this way, the whole lens of your life will be tinted, be skewed. Your preconceived notions prevent you from seeing him as a good God of grace. And a result, as a result, you refuse to serve him with what he's given you. When we blame God, we end up burying our blessings. When you blame God, you bury your blessings. You see, a faulty view of God can also lead to excuses. A wrong view of God always leads to fear. You see, if you look at the difference between the first two servants and the, and the last servant, the first two were determined to make a profit. The third was determined to not take a loss. The first two were willing to work hard and take risks. The third one took no risk at all. The first two received the gift. The third essentially refused it. The first two wanted to advance the master's domain, and the third had no interest in what mattered to the master. In fact, if anything, he was trying to protect his own rear end from what would be the perceived anger of the master. The first two allowed the master's gift to change their lives, and the third he refused the gift. He refused to let the gift touch his life. The first two invested and the other one wasted. The first two saw a blessing and the third guy, he saw it as a burden. The first two knew the master and the third guy, he had no clue. There's a difference in the way that they're approaching God and the way that they're approaching life. Sometimes we can get stuck in the in the path and in the way that, that we start to think, I just need to survive. You ever been there? I just got to survive. I, if I can just get through this week or this weekend, you look at a date on the calendar, if I can just get past this point, then, then I, just, I just got to survive to this point. See, the third guy was in a survival mindset trying to just get by, but the first two were in a thriving mindset where they said, I've been given something that is a blessing in my life. They looked at the talent that God had given them, the master had given them and saw them as a survival and like an amplifier for them to be able to survive at even, or thrive at an even higher level. I'm telling you guys, we have got to make sure that our mindset does not drift into a survival mindset. We have got to be someone who follows Jesus in a thriving mindset where we understand that God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. He has invested in us. He has deposited in us so that we might be somebody who can then pour out on the world around us. And when we start to look and see that, and, and thank God for everything in our life, for all things in our life, when we start to see the world from that perspective, things change. Church stops becoming a one-hour event on a Sunday morning. Church starts becoming a way of life that just like we see in the New Testament where the book of Acts was like a way of life. Every day, crazy things were happening. And that's what happens when we shift from a survival into a thriving mindset, grateful for everything that God has given us. We become the church that was designed in the Bible. We become a church that the world says, I can get behind that church. Because right now the world looks at, our, at churches and says, I don't know, I don't get it. 
I don't know if there's any value to our community. Listen, when they see a church who's, who's alive in Christ and doing what the church is supposed to be doing, they'll say that's the most valuable asset in our community. So church, my challenge for you is this. Can we drop the surviving and, and start thriving? Can we drop the surviving and start thriving? Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for all of the gifts that you've put in each and every one of us. God, I thank you for the blessings that you've put in our life. God, I thank you for the pain that you put into our life. God, I thank you for the good things and the bad things. I say, God, I, I, let us all be grateful for everything. Let us give thanks for everything that you have put inside of our life. God, I believe that, that you have called each and every person here. You've put a deposit in every one of us. You've given us all gifts and talents and abilities. And so, God, I ask that you would help us to invest in those abilities to start to grow those things. God, help us to be good stewards with what you've put inside of our life both with, with money and with time and, and with talent and, and, and any other kind of resource that we have. God, anything that we have in our life, let it be something that we can bring honor to you. Not one hour a week, but seven days a week, God. Help us to quit being a, just quit being in the old school church and start to be the biblical church that you see in the Bible, God. Help us to, to rise up in that way. Help us to set, get ourselves set free from the things that have held us back in the past. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey guys, right now we're actually going to receive our tithes and offerings. So the ushers are going to come and they're going to start passing the baskets. Jesus, we just thank you so much for being a blessing. God, help us to the money that comes in to help fund this church. God, I pray that you would help it to be an exponential impact everywhere that it goes. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you want to give digitally, it's on the screens or in your bulletins. God bless you guys. Let's sing one last song before we leave this morning.